I think you know, what Rachel, what you said about Jesus um, being our bread, um, is beautiful. And obviously there's this scripture that talks about the leaven, um, there's leaven of the Pharisees, and we also to be like leaven in the world. That's something that we could have used. And actually tonight I'm, I'm talking about wine, but I didn't know if we had any winemaking experts in the congregation. Um, and what, um, what, what, I, what I want you to remember, um, first of all, be grateful when you eat a good piece of sourdough, because it takes a lot of work. Um, but to recall, every time that Rachel talked about the engagement of the cook with the bread and how deliberate it is and how patient it is and how there's a process that the cook is going through. And where I'm going to end up t- tonight is I'm going to talk about wine, uh, wine skins, which is slightly different. But in terms of the bread, what I, what I want you to picture is Jesus treating us like that bread. Jesus molding us. Creating an environment in which we can flourish. Trying really hard to stop that bad bacteria getting in and the mold setting in. So to keep that, please, um, in your minds as I, as I preach. Um, I've also, when I'm finished preaching, I've, I've asked um, Dottie to come in and give us a word. Um, I hope she's arrived. I think she's arrived. There you are, right in front of me, Dottie. I should put my glasses on. Here they are. Um, I'm actually going to need these. Um, so t- tonight, um, I, I had a couple of things I, I wanted to do. You know, normally when I'm finishing a series, um, I'll, I'll kind of do a summary and talk about the, the, the whys of, of, of what we did. And, and we've, we've just finishing up a, a series on, on what it means to be naturally supernatural. What does, it mean, what does it mean to walk in the kingdom of God and with the Holy Spirit and, and, and to see the Lord move through us and to be agents of his kingdom and all those amazing things. Um, but I did not sense the Lord saying um, that I was to do that. And, and then I thought, well, I could just do another one on tongues because I only talked, you know, did half my sermon and I got a note for that as well. So um, he kept, I kept hearing wineskins, wineskins. Um, and so I'm just going to tell you what I, what I sense I'm saying to us as a body. There's nothing else I can do. So um, there are two scriptures um, that deal with the wineskin that are most famous. Um, there's one in Mark 2, and there's one in Matthew 9. And I'm going to use the, the one in Mark 2. So this is Mark 2, reading from verse 18 through 22. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, to Jesus, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth in an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. 
and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, if you've been at Kingdom Life for a while, and I, I know we've got a few people who come occasionally, and some people are returning and visiting us, Simeon, it's nice to see you. Um, but you know, over the last few years, um, we, have, we, have, we have pushed in some, some really difficult things, and I'm, I'm really proud of this body. Um, it's not easy to spend six months talking about s- submission and surrender, and months talking about our sin, and, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I've, I've felt your willingness to let God mold and stretch and inject some yeast into us, you know, and hope we grow. Um, and at a staff meeting last Friday, I, I said to, this, I said to you, you know, the, the fellow staff who helped run Kingdom Life that I, I, I have such a desire to see more of the Lord move. Such a desire. I mean, so many of us have this desire to see more of the Lord move. And, and we see him touch lives in and, and such powerful ways, but we know that there's more. And I have this, this, such a desire. But I, I have, a, I have a, a, a fear as well that, that he'll do that and, 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 we'll, and we'll mess it up. Um, And, and that's just something I've been wrestling, wrestling with, with for the last um, few weeks. And it's probably why the Lord started to speak to me about wineskins. Because it's what I felt for the last three years. Is that he's, he's wanting to shape us. He's wanting to make us a body that can receive his spirit. And well, of course we have his spirit. And we experience him here and we see him do amazing things. But more... The thing is, if you if you look at um, if you look at the scripture, you know, in my, my Bible commentary here says when when you when Jesus is talking um, about new wine and, and wineskins, he's, he's he's talking about the, the new covenant, which is true. He's talking about grace that is going to be given and, and compassion of the new covenant and the old covenant, the old the old legalism of Judaism can't contain the grace of Christ. And I think that's absolutely true. And, and that's key. But if you, if you look at Mark and Matthew, slightly, they have slightly different stories. But in particular, just paying attention to, to, to Mark, if you go back, and you just go back to the end of, of or middle of, of chapter 1, you, and you go through chapter 2, and into chapter 3, you see the nature of the wine that Jesus is talking about. Now, I'm not going to read all of this, um, but I, I, I just want, I want to highlight the stories that we see here. So as Jesus is talking about new wine, and he's talking about new wine skins, in the, in the days before this, in the period of time before this, Mark records Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law, healing many after the sunset at Sabbath, Jesus preaching and then cleansing a leper, forgiving the sins of the paralytic and him being healed, summoning Matthew, a tax collector, 
a hated one, into his disciples. And then he's questioned about fasting. And then he's questioned about the Sabbath. And he redefines this holy day of the Sabbath. And then he heals on the Sabbath. And then a great multitude follow him. So when we think about this new wine that Jesus is talking about, and we read that in the middle of what Mark records is miracle after miracle and power after power encounter. If we look at Matthew, Matthew includes the healing of the woman with the issue with blood. The story is so magnificent that people Jesus wasn't even praying for were healed. And Matthew puts this new wine in the middle of these stories. And if we want to see what the old wineskin looks like, we see that with the story of healing on the Sabbath. So this is Mark 3. And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. Whether he would heal. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then Jesus said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as the whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. That's the old, that's the old wineskin. At its worst. And, and, and you probably know this, that this is the only record we have in Scripture where we are told that Jesus is angry. Anytime he actually gets angry, he's not neutral on this. And we see here the reality when the new covenant is given, when we get this new wine, it is responded to with hatred and with judgment. Now, um, <laughs> I don't think we are there. Um, but there's a warning there. And how many of us have feared the judgment of men when we have thought we have been doing the Lord's will and the Lord's business? The old wineskin is rules and it's legalism, it's rigidity. And the new is full of power and grace and healing and compassion. And if we, if we look further in the New Testament, I, I know we know this, so I'm not going to look at going to the Scriptures. We've talked about this the last few weeks. But we know that Jesus releases a kingdom that is so offensive and almost deliberately so, it seems. That he accepts a tax collector. And then he converts a Roman officer. And then he brings Gentiles into the people of God. And then he lets the uneducated perform miracles, not the theologically trained. He takes fishermen And then we see believers flock by the thousands 
into the church. Not because of military power, not because of financial wealth, but because they experience love and hope and purpose and identity. If we look at Acts 10, we see maybe the most profound story of someone having to have their wineskin converted. And that's Peter in his vision. So Acts 10 from verse 11, we read, Peter saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth as well as birds of the air. Then a voice said to them, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter answered, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And all at once the sheet was taken back up into heaven. Peter was doing what he was called to do as a good Jew. He was absolutely right in saying no to the Lord. And God says, no, I am changing the way that you know how the kingdom works, how my kingdom works. This is new wine, that even the Gentiles will, will come into the church. And we actually know later on when Paul rebukes Peter, later in the book of Acts, we see Peter actually shifting back into the old wineskin. He's refusing to be with Gentiles unless, because he's scared of the Jews judging him. He slips. But in this moment, he does so well because he takes this wineskin. He says, okay, Lord, you're going to be doing something that is completely against even your law. This is so new. And he shifts. And his wineskin is remade by the Lord so that it can take this new wine and he sees Cornelius converted, and he sees his family converted, and he defends this to the other Jewish leaders. And the Gentiles come into the church. And we see the power of a man being willing to change their wineskins. And, and I, I know that a lot of people, a lot of people I teach, a lot of people who come here, We've grown up, grown up in churches where we've known more of the law than we have the grace of God. And we've known more about rules than we have about relationship. Not the relationship word that we throw out there, but actual legitimate relationship where we are meeting the King of Kings. And we've been changed by Him. And um, this is, this is a no no sense uh, um, a warning for us. Um, but I, <laughs> I sense the Lord asking us if we will allow ourselves to be offended by him pointing out where we still have a bit of old wineskin. And um, I know you guys are getting really tired of the word surrender um, and submission. We've talked about it a lot. And it, and it is like humility. You never get really to the end. 
And the, and the truth is, um, I absolutely love, <laughs> I love this idea. And, and, and you know, I hate it as well. There are times, like it forces me to face my rebellion and my weakness and my pride and my desire for control, my love of money, my lack of trust. Won't, genuine surrender won't let me hold any of these things. And true surrender is willingness to say to the Lord, show me where I might be holding some old wineskin. I might still have some old bacteria that if you pour your new wine into me, it's going to react and it's going to ruin the wine and it's going to ruin me. So, um, one of the challenges that we have is that you know, most of us, you know, we're not cessationists. I'm, I don't have to convince you that the Holy Spirit moves and that, and, and that miracles happen. And, you know, um, but my, my friend Richard, who, who many of you met last year, he, you know, he said to me, Nicholas, we, we so often in the church, we, we read the scripture and we, and we think it's, it's about the Pharisees and about Christians. And you know, as long as we're Christians and, and we're in the new covenant, like we're the new wine, we're new wineskins and we're fine. And he says, and, you know, the painful thing is if we look at church history in the 19th and 20th century in particular, where we know a lot of what God has done because of recorded you know, doc- document, documents that have recorded it, he said it's so often those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, who have experienced that new wine, that are the first to judge when God does it a different way the next time around. And he says, if you look at this, you'll see those in the 20s criticize those in the early 20, beginning of the 20th century, and those in the 80s criticize those in the 60s, and those in the 90s criticize those in the 70s. And it's not. We experience God, we, and we think this is how He's always going to be. And then we take control. And we become our own little wineskins again. Old. And unable to take the new. And I never, I never read from books. Um, so this will maybe you know you'll know that this means a lot to me. Um, this is a, this is a book about a guy called Reese Howells, who many of you have probably never heard of. Um, you've probably heard of Evan Roberts, Welsh Revival. Um, Reese Howells is one of the guys involved in the Welsh Revival. He is an absolute typical Welshman who um, was typical of the Welsh Revival. He was working in mines as a young boy. And his future was going to be the next 40 or 50 years, however he survived working in mines. And he meets God during the Welsh Revival. Um, and this is, a, this is a book that's written uh, about him by a missionary called Norman Grubb. It has a lot of original source material, um, a lot of quotations from Rees. And... So this is right towards the end of the book. Okay. Page 218 of this book about his life. Reese um, traveled all over the world, but particularly was called into Southern Africa. This man experienced every miracle that you have heard about. He see God perform absolute signs and wonders. He adored scripture. He spent hours in prayer. His, if, if you read the first 218 pages 
And, and you thought, if I, if I, if I experience 10% of what this man did, I will be happy. I'll be content. So he lives this incredible life over several decades. And then he's back in Wales with a group of friends. And they do what they always do, they pray. And this man who knew God so well experiences the Holy Spirit in a way that he hadn't before. And I just want to read you two paragraphs. I'll come back to this book um, in our next series. We felt the Holy Spirit had been a real person to us before. As far as we knew, we had received him, and some of us had known much of his operations in and through our lives. But now, the revelation of his person was so tremendous that all our previous experiences seemed as nothing. There was no visible apparition, but he made himself so real to our spiritual eyes that it was a face-to-face experience. And when we saw him, we knew we had never really seen him before. We said like Job, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye hath My eye seeth thee, and like him we cried, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. In the light of his purity, it was not so much sin we saw as self. We saw pride and self-motives underlying everything we had ever done. Lust and self-pity were discovered in places we had never suspected them. And we had to confess we knew nothing of the Holy Ghost as an indwelling person that our bodies were meant to be the temples of the Holy Ghost we knew, but when he pressed the question, who is living in your body, we could not say that he was. We would have done so once, but now we had seen him. And he goes on to talk about the Spirit challenging them on actually what he meant when he talked about being a living sacrifice. And what is amazing as you read Reese's story is that he has this experience and, he's just, and he just repents and he just weeps and he just, says, he just says yes. And this was a man, if we looked at him, we would say, well, like you embody the kingdom of God. Your wineskin is so new and you're so full of the new wine that if you have this wrong, I don't know what hope I have, you know? And yet he was willing in surrender and in, in, in humility to encounter the Lord in a more powerful way and say, okay, Lord, I see this part of me, is, it's old. Get rid of it. And, the, and those with him, the pride, the lust, whatever it was that the Lord showed them, they gave it up. And they were able to encounter him in a way that before they did not even suspect was possible. And maybe he was at 9 out of 10 or 9 out of 100. I don't know what the scale is. But... <laughs> Uh, the way that the Lord ministers and the way that he responds is just so powerful. And so, again, this, this question, do we, do, we know, do we know the state of our wineskins? I know that we are crying out. We are wanting God to move in this place. Reese, as I said, was part of the Welsh Revival. And um, if you've never studied the Welsh Revival, it, it, it was an insane period in the early 20th century. Um, and I, I mean, I could talk for hours on the Welsh Revival. But thousands were saved. 
And it was led by uneducated men. And it was renowned for worship and for repentance. And it was renowned for joy and exuberant worship that would go on for hours and hours. And the police ran out of people to arrest. And bars closed and pubs closed. And you know what? Even football teams shut down because no one went to the games to watch them. And even the players got saved and said, I'd rather go worship God than play a soccer game. And so this football team started to shut down. And rugby is the biggest sport in Wales and football, but people would go watch rugby matches and then they'd break out and worship instead of cheering for their teams. People would be healed of alcoholism on the spot. <laughs> and Evan Roberts, you know, a man destined for the minds, not educated, he was, it was just remarked of him that he, he had joy. He had no eloquence, he had no training, but when he spoke, he captured the people's hearts because he spoke with authority and he spoke with joy. And the rigidity and the coldness of religion was absent. And the hope and the glory of God was present. And this is, a, this is an account from Campbell Morgan who ran a really big church in London. He was a really famous Christian leader. Because, of course, what happens when God moves is that people start to criticize. So Campbell goes to one of these services and he's crammed in, he says, so tight, he can't raise his hands in worship. You know, he's a charismatic, but he, like, he can't actually get his hands up because it's so compressed. And he looks around at these miners. And he looks at their faces and he says they were clean and beautiful. Beautiful, did I say? Many of them lit with heaven's own light, radiant with the light that never was on sea and land. Today it is awakened. And I look on many a face, and I knew that men did not see men, did not even see Evan Roberts, but they saw the face of God and the eternity. These men, early on, he writes about how these men were just disfigured, disfigured dirty, because they'd just come out the mines. And yet the light of God was on them, and he went back to London, and he said, this is of God. And there are so many pastors who criticized. And you know what they particularly hated? The joy. And the endless singing. <laughs> Without hymnals. And you know what? We, the world, Wales is an interesting country, you know, and it's got issues. But you know the one thing about Wales? They're still known for singing. That permeated the culture so deeply that Wales is still known as a country that likes to sing. And the men in particular love to sing. And they would sing for hours and hours and hours. And so what, what, I, what, I, what I've just sensed Jesus saying to us tonight is, is, will we allow him to craft us into new wineskins that will hold his wine? Will we surrender again? So corporately, this means saying to Jesus, and these are words that we use often, but we actually have to mean them. It's saying to him, Lord, have your way. 
We have to mean it. Pour out your spirit. And we have to be happy if it doesn't look like what he did before. If it makes us feel uncomfortable. If he starts to move in someone's life so powerfully that it disturbs us. We have to say, Lord, we just want to see you glorified. And individually, will we burn our idols? Will we abandon religion and legalism and judgment and self-accusation? And let him remake us. Because he's doing both of these things at the same time. The sourdough, he's kneading us and turning us and letting us rest. Doing it again. (laughs) Hopefully we're getting a little bigger. But will we let him? And, this is, and this, this, is, this is not as easy as, as it might seem. You know, surrender's hard. But so many of us, some of us have been in the charismatic movement for 40 years. Some of us have been in it for two months. But some of us have a legacy of seeing what God has done, and we have expectations. And what we have to do is we have to see the glory of God in everything that he's done, everything he's taught us, and we have to hold on to what is good and say, okay, Lord, move now. And we have to be willing to adjust to what he does with the wisdom of what we've learned but not hold him to our wineskins. We let him be God. And Kath and I were talking about this earlier, and you know, there's this reality, there's this reality that when the Lord moves, people leave churches. It's just, it just seems to happen all the time. People are offended by something, and they leave. Maybe their sin is exposed, and, and they don't know how to deal with it, and they leave. They have theological questions, and they leave. And um, as much as we, we, are, we are crying out for the Lord to move, and I really don't want to mess it up, we're also, we're also a family, and like, I don't want anyone to leave. <laughs> I want us to all step into this together, because we do this as a family. It's one of our core values. That we're, we're a family that seeks the Lord together. And there's so many of you, and Dottie, you can, if you want to come up just while I finish. Um, so forgive me, I'm not going to name everyone, but there are so many of you who are part of God's process here in the way that you are helping him and the way he needs the dough. And it might be working in the back with kids. It might be being up front here leading us in worship. It might be being here worshiping the Lord on Friday afternoons for months and years. Or being here early mornings praying. Dancing. Whatever it is, there's so many people who are on your knees praying. Susie and Bill have been praying for this church before it was a church. So many of us have been doing this and asking the Lord. And so let's, let's keep being willing to let him shape us. If there's a bit of old bacteria in us, if there's old wineskin that he needs to remove, then let's let him do that. And, and to be perfectly clear with you, the reason that we're going after fear in our next series is because I'm, I really hope it's going to bless you all, but the Lord's made, made it really clear to me that it's something I have to face. So sorry, guys, you have to do it with me. Um, 
but I just sense of saying, we're not going further. You can keep talking about the supernatural, but until you break this thing, and now, it's, now you see it, unless you break that, I'm not taking you further. So we're doing that. And that's a bit of the bacteria in me that has to be, the old, that has to be pulled out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. But first, this series that we just finished has been about the supernatural. Steve, where's Steve? Where's Steve sitting? There you are, right in front of me. Amazing testimony. You've been so faithful. I know you think you've done it badly, but you've been faithful. <laughs> it's been challenging. We, that we all, you know, you, your faithfulness has been such a testimony to us, Steve. And you responded to this voice and you saying, go pick up a man outside Lowe's. That's a long drive to Pendleton and back. <laughs> and that's just it. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Do what he says. And so, um, if you don't know Dottie, she has been a king of life just about as long as we've been going. Um, and she's married to Henrik, one of our elders. And I wanted to ask someone, Dottie um, prays a lot and has a lot of people around her who help pray for this body. And, and so I just asked her, I didn't tell her what I was speaking on tonight, I just said, please really ask the Holy Spirit if he has a word for us as a body. So Dottie. Yeah, so um, when I prayed, I first heard a song lyric and a Bible verse. And the song lyric that I heard was from the Phil Wickham song, Sunday is Coming. Friday's good because Sunday is coming. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And I, this uh, Bible verse is Psalm 27. Um, what I felt like I heard was there are some of us who have been trying very hard in our own strength to make a dream happen. And the Lord is asking some of us to let that dream die. Bury it, have a funeral, write a eulogy, and let it go. If the Lord wants to resurrect it, he will, but only he can. But he wants us to be open for something better from him, something we can't even imagine right now because we're thinking too small. If you're not sure if this applies to you or your dream, ask the Lord, and he'll show you. If it's a dream that he gave you and wants to fulfill with you, or if it's a dream that you're striving too much to do without him. Stop looking for the living among the dead. Start looking. Stop looking for, for life from the dream that has died. Look among the living, the resurrection life. And Psalm 27 says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Thank you, Tati. Tyler, do you guys want to come up? I know we've got a final song to finish off with. And while they're coming up, can we, can we pray together? Giselle might have something else as well. Um, let's just pray together. Jesus, we want the new wine of your kingdom. Lord, we want it to flow in this place and to flow out of our hearts. 
to this broken world around us. Lord, would you, would you expose any idols in our lives, any places that we have been placing hope and dreams that are not of you, Lord, that are not where your life is to be found. Jesus, I ask for a revelation for each of your sons and daughters here. A revelation of your love, Lord. A revelation of your grace. A revelation of hope. Lord, that it would be, it would be a joy to lay down whatever it is that would keep us from knowing you more. Lord, wherever we have old wineskins, remake us. As individuals, Lord, and as a body, as a family that's, that's pursuing you, Jesus, would you make us into a new wineskin that can hold your wine that will honor your name and that will see your name glorified by any and every move of your spirit. It will always be about you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I just had one thing before we go back into worship. Um, I felt like he was asking us to repent of spiritual jealousy, um, of being jealous of what he's doing in the lives of our the people to the right or to the left of us. So if that resonates with you, I'm going to pray and you just put a yes on your heart or on your lips and agree with me. Yeah, Father, we repent for any time um, we were jealous of what you were doing in the lives of a brother or sister. We repent for looking at um, the way someone else was serving you and wishing it was us. We repent for judging what you're doing in the lives of other people because we want it done in our own life. We repent for not trusting you to take care of our spiritual walk. We repent for not believing that you want to set us on fire, Lord. Yeah, God, we receive your forgiveness. We receive the fact that you see us, that you are pursuing us, and that you have a plan for us. And we submit our hearts to you. Yeah. I feel like there's a, there's a lot that the Holy Spirit can be doing in each of our hearts tonight based on this sermon. So as we go back into worship, I just wanted... Um, a little reminder that there's space up here for you to come and kneel and let the Lord work in your heart. So feel free to worship in your seat. Feel free to stand. Feel free to sit. Feel free to come up to the altar as well. Awesome.